that grow up in an independent Baptist home and do not go on to serve God. That statistic, ladies and gentlemen, depending on who takes it and how they take it, is anywhere from 60 to 80%. It's a staggering statistic. And so we wrote the book, Rearing Spiritual Children to Serve the Savior. And it is back on the back table. And it, but it's kind of a little bit of a deceiving title because it is about helping mom and dad to learn how to have a real, intimate, personal, and passionate relationship with God and to be spirit-controlled people and therefore be able to convey that to little Billy and little Susie. And um, there is also, and, and you know, again, when we come into churches, there's generally some families that their children have grown up in the church and went to a Christian school or were homeschooled, and they are not living for God now. And parents are really struggling with that. You know, they went to this church, they, you know, uh, we put them into Christian school, we did what we could do, and, and here they are. And so there's a chapter in there called, What Do I Do With a Child Outside My Home Not Living for God? and the ability to be able to get their heart back, which you lost, and how to go about that. And so there is hope on that subject, and it is a really, it's a book that many, many pastors are using uh, to help families to be able to understand there is hope, even if that happens, and it's not all lost. And, uh, but there are some certain things that have to be done with that, and so if you, uh, we would just encourage you to pick it up. Now, the goal of Hope Biblical Counseling Center is to give people hope in their lives. You know, our desire is to encourage them to have a real, intimate, personal, passionate relationship with God and uh, to move forward and to move out of a doer mentality, performance-based life to a spirit-controlled life. Doer mentality, performance-based Christianity doesn't work. And so... We are counseling people from all over the world. I've mentioned, uh, and this is a worldwide ministry. Since the pandemic started, Kim and I, and Kim is a counselor as well, uh, we have counseled people from 11 different foreign countries, including Vietnam and the United Arab Emirates. And so many people from Canada, many people from uh, Germany and Australia, Ireland. And so when we go home from here, uh, we're going to be home for a couple weeks and then we're going to Ireland for two weeks and we're going to be holding a conference for all of the Irish Independent Baptist missionaries on counseling. And we've done that before and uh, in, in Ireland. And so we're looking forward to going and being a help and an encouragement to them. And uh, it is being sponsored by uh, uh, Jean, missionary Gene McKinley, who is in Mullingar, Ireland, and he has the second largest independent Baptist church in Ireland. So we're going to get to see a lot of more history of Ireland, plus we're going to be able to help some pastors be able to deal there with people that need help. Uh, the ministry of Hope Biblical Counseling Center is we do biblical counseling and we have a 13-week program. Now, generally when people come to us, they have lost hope or they're losing hope. And uh, you know, it's a 13-week pro program and we skillfully use God's word 
to be able to help them uh, make biblical long-term change in their life. Now, our website, and if you, got, if you got the brochure, then you can see you have the website. It's HopeBiblicalCounselingCenter.com, and it has a wealth of information on it. Um, we have more than 300 audio messages up on it on biblical counseling issues. We also have a YouTube uh, channel, which you can reach that from the, uh, the website. And we add a new video on that weekly, and currently there's 78 videos up there on biblical counseling subjects. In essence, how do I deal with bitterness? How do I deal with anger? How do I deal with depression? What do I do if i got a critical spirit? So on down the line, so some pretty pointed subjects. We've had people that have listened to all 300 audio messages and changed their life. We've had people who've listened to all 78 uh, videos and changed their life. And so we're thankful to God for all that he's doing. Now, Kim and I have a full counseling schedule, which we do also while we travel. And uh, so uh, we're really very, very busy with people uh, trying to help them. We do counsel pastors and their wives, missionaries and their wives, and that's about half of our counseling. And so we're there to help, to encourage, and to help them to be able to move forward in their life and in their marriage and in their home and with their children. Um, the, there, if, you, if you, on the YouTube channel, if you subscribe and then you hit the notification bell, you can, we'll be notified every time a new video comes up. So we'd encourage you to do that. And then we also have our, we send out a, a weekly email when we're home uh, uh, on biblical counseling issues. Now, we've written thousands of articles over 35 years, and all of those, as an example, the last one that just went out was called The Love of God. Do you ever feel that nobody loves you? And it's gotten a lot of comment from thousands of people around the world, so we're thankful for that, and we're just trying to help. Amen? Just trying to help and be an encouragement and encourage people who are really struggling. Now, uh, so that's pretty much what we're doing, and we're, I'm, I'm the author of 19 different books and booklets, and they're on the back table there. sure encourage you to go back, and Kim and Lisa will help you with that. I do want to mention four of them right now. Um, the most important booklet on the table is How to Have a Real Relationship with God, The Work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Now, you know, in a lot of doer mentality Christianity, we're not thinking a whole lot about what the Holy Spirit does. And he's here to comfort us, and this is a life-changing book. Some of you pastors in here, have you met uh, Pastor Joshua Lehman over at uh, Mount Vernon Baptist Church? Yeah, I know Pastor Rice has. Josh read this booklet, broke down and cried, and said, I need help. And he testified in front of his church this morning that Kim and I helped him change his life for the honor and glory of God. And so this is a very powerful book. It's a life-changing booklet. Then its companion is how to have a daily time with God. And we're focused in on, you know, uh, the Bible and looking for things in the Bible. And it's a, it, it, it helps people to be able to concentrate 
more on their focus of their daily time with God. And there's a lot of good help here. The third one, which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight, the thought life of the Christian. Everything starts up here, and you've got to control your dark side. And you've got to know how to do it and use the tools that God has given you. Otherwise, you'll fail. And so, we'll talk about that a little bit this evening. Finally, I brought this one up this, this evening. It's the most recent one. It's been getting a lot of travel. It's in Florida, and a pastor came up and picked it up off the table looked at it. He says, do you have a critical spirit, the sin that hurts? He said, yep, that's really needed, okay? But what we have done is that the Holy Spirit does 70 different things in your life. And we've listed those in the back with the scripture references for all 70. And so we'd encourage you to realize how important it is for the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Now, you know, we're here to help people change their life and make biblical long-term change. Tonight, I'm gonna, uh, we have uh, Lisa Garrett here this evening. And Lisa is uh, a graduate of our counseling program. And um, we are extremely proud of her. Now, you know, many years ago, and I'm going to say a little bit, but then I'm going to let her do her own story here. Lisa grew up, you know, pe people sometimes get thrown a real curve just when they're born. And she was thrown a massive curve. And, you know, she had a really, really difficult childhood. And she'll explain that. We met her, and she wanted help. My wife led her to the Lord. And I remember her standing in my office and crying and saying, please help me. I'll do whatever you tell me. I just need help, and I want to change my life. Please help me. And we did, and it wasn't easy, okay? It wasn't easy, and she'll tell you a little bit about that, and I can tell you that today she works in a community that has the third highest teen pregnancy rate in the United States. And uh, she's very, uh, very focused on helping them and has even taught a teenage girls class because she knows what the girls in that community are going through. And um, I'll say this for her too. In the pandemic, and she is the real deal. During the pandemic, she was responsible for 52 people coming to know Christ as Savior. And she has a great passion to help and encourage and see people get saved and their lives changed. So I'm going to turn it over to her now and let her tell you what God did in her life. Thank you, Dr. Coomer. Dr. Coomer and Kim are like parents to me. So if you think about your parent-child relationship, 
Um, I'm thankful to God that he put them in my life. Um, you know, I, my mother was uh, 15 when and she got pregnant with me. And no, she says it wasn't a mistake, but all of my life I was told that it was a mistake because I wasn't raised by my mom. Shortly after, about two years after they were married, they had my sister and that marriage fell apart due to drugs and alcohol. And so I lived with my grandmother for a short period of time and then my dad remarried. Um, grew up in an alcohol home. She, my stepmother grew up in an alcoholic home and she, her words were she just did not know what to do with two, gr with two girls no one wanted. And that was her mindset, mind thinking the whole time that, uh, we were, that she was raising us. Um, I've been told that I was a mistake. Um, everything was my fault. Um, just put a little bit of perspective. Um, got toothpaste on the sink. So whoever got toothpaste on the sink, you've never done that before and not wiped it up. Well, I did that as a child. And I got my toothbrush taken away. By the time that I'm 18 and getting ready to go to the military, I still didn't get my toothbrush back. So my way of uh, getting out of the home was to join the United States Air Force. My sister had already spent a year in foster care. I do not know why the state of Wisconsin did not take me out, but by then I had enough anger behind me that is the moment that my stepmom would come near, I would, uh, um, I would raise my voice and then, yeah, obviously I knew how to keep her away, which is not good. But, you know, joined the military, um, learned how to drive a school bus, tractor trailer semi. Also met my husband there, and guess what? We, we are drawn to what we know. So I um, got myself involved in a domestic violence relationship. I was married for 12 years. Um, I got saved on September 17th of 2000, and my marriage lasted almost a year. It was almost, it was a little over a year after I got saved, my marriage lasted that long. Um, the Lord definitely intervened through, through my devotions. He was able to help me, um, you know, change my thinking, help me calm my spirit, and let me get through um, a few different things. A police officer was involved. Um, not anything that I called, actually. A police officer walked up to me in school. The kids at school one day had me a domestic violence advocate card and said, you need to get a restraining order. I don't even think Pastor Kimmer and Kim really knew exactly what was going on. I mean, they knew, but the, he had told me to get the restraining order. I went to the courthouse. It cost money. I didn't have any. Um, so through that police officer, I was able to get that restraining order. And then they, they constantly checked on me to see how I was doing. Because in a domestic violence relationship, you just don't get out that easy. But it was really God that was directing that step. I remember waking up one night excited wondering how the Lord can use me now, and that was just the craziest thought of, what? But I really did want my life to change. Um, I, I had no parenting skills. I had no discipline. But immediately they started me off with my daily devotions, and I really got into God's Word, and every single day um, had my devotional time and really, really started to grow and really wanted my life to change. And they showed me through their example of what life could be like, and I, I, I went to them. I actually had a coworker tell me that I should never speak in public. Um, because I was so backwards, um, but I'm thankful for for all that they did. And this is this is this was hard work um, to get me from a, a, an unseen child, as um, the church that I went back to after I got saved. About 15 years later, the Lord led me to go home. Went to that church. They didn't even know kids lived in that house. So the next time you pass a house and or you see a car that you see more than once, and you start praying for that, you don't know what's going on. You don't know how the Lord is going to be answering that prayer. If you have bus children, you don't know 
um, what other bus children are available. You don't know. You don't know what they're, gonna, what they're going through. But you know what? God is a God of hope, and he can get us through anything. We just have to turn to him, and we have to submit. I remember one time thinking to myself, am I submitting to my pastor for my pastor's approval, or am I submitting to pastor because I want God's approval? And I want God's approval. I want God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. At one point in time, I got to witness to my stepmom. It was a leading of God. It was not my own, because if God never mended that relationship with my stepmother or my biological mother, that would have been fine, because I want God's will and not my own. And I was able to tell her about Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. All things. She just got done telling me she just didn't know what to do with two girls no one ever wanted, and I came back with that statement. But I'm able to help my stepmother today. I'm actually able to help my biological mother. At 52, I got a relationship with my biological mother. My, my, my stepmother relationship at 50, I got to hear that she loved me and uh, she asked forgiveness, and that's just by the power of God. Now, I do work with children in my community. I work with children that are coming from drug-addicted drug parents. Most of them are with grandparents or an, or an aunt and uncle. Most of them do not know who their father is. I think I have one child maybe that rides the bus that um, is actually being raised by their actual parents. Um, all the other ones are not. Um, so, you know, you get five or six kids come running out of the house, girls with hair and frizz all over the place, and, you know, they need to know that someone loves them and cares for them. Um, and that's what I love about my ministry. Um, I do work with teenage girls, and I, last year I took four of them camping. Guess what they do when they get up in the morning? Their daily devotions. I did have one little girl get mad at me after that. She goes, I can't believe you made us do his devotions. It's like, if you, if you signed up to go with me, you're going to do daily time with God. You're going to do it because I, I want you to know that, you know, when life's going to get really hard and I tell them, you know, I see what they're doing. I said, you know what, the life is going to get really hard, and right now you're, roll, you're rolling down a hill, and I'm standing in front of you telling you how God can work in your life. And at some point in time, I'm going to step back, and I'm going to let you roll down the hill. And when you get to the bottom, and I've hugged a girl that's totally drug addicted. I've hugged her and said, Hope, her name's Hope, I've been praying for you since you were a little girl. I want you to know that I will always love you. I will always be here for you. And she knows that I'm there for her, but she's now addicted because of her, her situation. But she knows the Lord, so the Lord can help her when she gets ready. And I cannot thank the Lord enough on how he guided me, directed me um, through the, and got me to the right ground, a solid foundation where I can grow in my faith, and then now I get to share that with others. So people, don't give, don't give up hope. If you're working with bus kids, if you're working with kids, you're, you know, they're smelly, they're stinky, they're angry, they're frustrated. Um, guess what? They're, they're just displaying what's in their home. And they need, to, they need to know that you're upset with them when they do something wrong, but you need to turn around and tell them how much you love them. Because guess what? They're not getting that part of the house. They're getting the yelling and the screaming and telling them that they're no good. They're not getting that somebody loves them. And that's when Kim and, and Pastor, I did something wrong. And they disciplined me for it, told me how upset they were with me that I lost their dog. <laughs> and I did. And she did lose dog. I did. Could you imagine losing your pastor's dog? Have to make that phone call. They told me, after they told me how disappointed I was that I didn't listen to them like you would do with your own children, right? But then they turned around and told me how much I loved. They loved me. 
you know, that was the first time I ever was disciplined in that way. Isn't that the way that God does that? That's the way that we need to demonstrate that to others. Isn't that what God tells us in his word? So it's things like that that, you know, helps along the way. You do not know what the smallest influence, the smallest positive thing that you say to somebody or even pray. Do you know the power of prayer? You don't know. I told the church when I go home, and uh, when I go home, they're so happy to see me. They, they want to know what's going on in, in my ministry. Um, but you know what? The first time I stood in, in front of them and gave my testimony, I thanked them for praying for me, for someone they didn't even know that was there, but their prayers were answered. Um, so no one should ever give up hope. There's always hope for you, no matter what circumstances that you're coming out of, no matter what is happening in your life, God has the answer for you, and he will get you through. So again, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me, and thank you, Pastor and Kim. So. Lisa was told every day that she was a mistake, and no one wanted her. No one loved her and where she needed to go. And the first thing that we told her was, you're not a mistake. God loves you. And I think that was an enlightening moment for her when she heard from somebody that did care about her that she wasn't a mistake. Think about it. You're not able to brush your teeth. You're not able to take a bath. And you're being told every day that you're a mistake and nobody loves you and nobody wants you. What a, what a way to treat a child. So we're, we are very thankful that she's, she's made dramatic change. And God, it's, it's God's work, and we're thankful for that. So we appreciate her coming, and she does come with us every now and then. There are others uh, that are out of our counseling program that do come with us and share their testimony. And uh, we have many like Lisa who have come from very difficult backgrounds and made change in their life. Well, you know, I wanted to, what I want to do tonight is something that is very important. I want to speak to you tonight about the second most important decision in your life. The second most important decision in your life. I would like for you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. And I tell all of our counselees that you have to learn the fours. Philippians 4, Ephesians 4, and James 4. And Ephesians 4 is the change chapter of the Bible. And so if I'm going to make biblical long-term change in my life, I really need to understand what Ephesians 4 says. Let's stand together as we read out of respect to God and His Word. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, and then I want to turn, I want you to turn back with me to Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. The second most important decision in your life. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord when, folks? Always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts 
and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now turn back to Philipp, or Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. This, this chapter is one of the reasons that we got into biblical counseling. I'm going to start, let's start with uh, verse 4, okay? Romans 15, 4. Now watch what it says. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Verse 13. Now the God of hope, and He is the God of hope, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power, and here's the big player in the room, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's begin by having prayer. Father, we thank you this evening for the opportunity to come into your house and to share the Word of God. Lord, I submit myself to you now. And I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you'll help me tonight to be able to share the truth of your word. I pray, God, you'll work in hearts here tonight. I pray, God, I submit myself to you and I need your help right now. I pray that you'll open your word to us in a powerful way and you'll work in our hearts. God, there may be somebody here tonight who's unsaved. And if they do not know you as Savior, I pray tonight that they will come to know you as Savior. And God, I pray tonight, if there's a person here that's out of fellowship of, with you, God, that their fellowship would be restored this evening. And I need your help, and I pray you'll work in our lives now. And I ask it in Jesus' name, and for his sake, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Now, I want you to turn back to Philippians 4 with me. Philippians 4, and I want you to notice verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Now I am a question asker, so you're going to have to help me. Because I ask questions. That's what a council does, we ask questions. Philippians 4.4, 4. rejoice in the Lord when, folks? And again, I say rejoice. My question is, is that your life? I want you to think about that. Is that your life? And if it's not, why not? I've actually had pastors in counseling and missionaries in counseling who said to me, I don't think that's possible. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
So it is possible. Amen? I can do all things. So the question is, why am I not rejoicing in the Lord always? Now, about the people who come to us, they come to us because they are either they've lost hope or they're losing hope. About 25% of the people who come to us have never been truly born again to begin with. About 75% of them are out of fellowship with God. Now the church today is almost spiritually paralyzed because of all the backbiting, gossiping, critical spirit, and all of those things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And we wonder why we don't see God do more. Now, I want you to understand this. Turn back now with me to Romans 15. And we start every counselee here. Now I want you to notice in verse 4 with me, and you know the people that come to us, hey, if they're in a marriage, they're not happy. And they're not, they don't like each other. And generally, he says something along this line, preacher, you don't even know what it's like to live with her. And I, you know, in my, in, in my office at the church, I always had a love seat. Get it? And so, I would have them come in, and sometimes, I, I've had a few guys come in and say, you mean i got to sit with her? Well, I mean, did, and so my answer is, well, when you married her, did you say you loved her? Well, yeah. But if I knew I was going to have to sit by her here in counseling, I wouldn't have come. And she's sitting there saying, I don't love him anymore. And my answer to him is, sit down. This is the only seat in the house. There is no other option. So sit down. Okay. Well, they've gotten to this place. How in the world can people get to a place where they said that they loved one another, walked down an aisle before God and said, I love you and, I, and we're going to get married and now they're over here acting like this. Now, I had uh, several years back a counsel of the pastor and his wife and generally speaking, we, ha you know, we have intake forms, and they have to fill that out. We know what the intake forms are saying about them. And, and so they came in, and so I normally let them say, nobody talks over each other. So I normally let them tell me what they think the problem is. And so I started off with her, and I said, all right, tell, me, tell, tell Kim and I what you think the problems are. She looked at me. She looked at him. She looked back at me. She looked back at him, and I thought, well, we're going to do this for a while now or something? 
And she looked over at him and she says, I detest you. She says, I'm scared to death of you. And the kids are scared to death of you. And I will never forgive you for what you've done to us. Whoa. Now I have to admit, that kind of took me back a little bit. And what, Pastor, that didn't leave you a whole lot to work with, did it? <laughs> I mean, I hate your guts and that's the way it is. <laughs> you know? But I, I'm going to tell you, they're married today. And we were able to work ourselves through that. Now, but, you know, think about what I'm telling you. And the Bible over here says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. So how do you get from here, clear over here? Well, look at Romans 15 with me. Now watch carefully. And verse 4 says this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our what, folks? Learning. So God wants you to learn. Got it? So God wants you to learn. And notice what else? That we, through patience and comfort of the what? Might have what? Hope. So where is the answer for your life? In the Scriptures. Okay, we don't do psychology. Now every time, you know, we, you know I'm, I'm supposed to speak at the preacher's meeting. Now, I don't know any of these guys. But a lot of guys have got a preconceived opinion when you're doing counseling, you're a psychologist. Not true. I'm a biblicist. And I'm using the Bible to help people make biblical long-term change in their life. Amen? Now watch. So, we always show them that the answer for their life is in the Scriptures. That's where it's at. And now we're going to help you learn how to get those answers. We're going to skillfully use the Bible to help you. Now I want you to look at verse 13. Notice it says, Now the God of what, folks? Hope. And He is the God of hope. And He wants you to have hope. He wants every person in this room to have hope. Now notice, fill you. That's what it says. Now watch, with all joy and peace. So now God wants you to have hope, joy, and peace. God wants you to have hope, joy, and peace. But I want you to notice the next phrase there. Look at your Bible. It says, in believing. So you're going to have to believe that God wants you to have hope, joy, and peace. Amen? All right. Amen or a woman or something. Okay? So you're going to have to believe that God wants you to have hope, joy, and peace, and He wants you to learn. Now notice what else it says. That ye may abound in hope. Now what kind of picture do you get in your mind when you think about abounding? Overflow. Amen. 
You know, I grew up in Indiana. I know you're all Buckeyes. But I grew up as a Hoosier. And we grow corn in Indiana. I'm assuming they do that here in Ohio too, right? I've seen some. But you know what? In the, in, the, in, the, in the summer, that cornfield, they just look so beautiful. They're green. They, they, they wave back and forth. And then in the fall, they cut it down. And you can see for miles and miles. And I always think about abounding like, hey, I'm running across this field. And I'm jumping in the air. And I don't have a care in my life. Amen? Abounding in hope. So God wants you to not only have hope, joy, peace, and learn, He wants you to abound in hope. But most of the Christians that we deal with, man, they are like, looks like they've been sucking on a pickle. I mean, they are not there. Now, here is something that's extremely important. All of that happens in your life. And notice what God's Word says through the power of the Holy Ghost. He is the big player in the room. Now I tell my counselees this. Our counselees this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God the Father loved you so much that He sent His Son, God the Son, to die on the cross for you, be buried and rose again so that you might have life, the Bible says, and that you might have it more abundantly. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. I'm going to tell you how to do that before we're done. Now, and then God the Son went back to heaven and He sent God the Holy Spirit who loves you so much that He came to indwell you at the time you got saved. And there's at least 70 different things that the Holy Spirit does in your life. But you're going to have to learn something that's extremely important. You've got to learn to submit. You've got to learn to submit to God, the Holy Spirit. He is the player in the room now. And He's here because He loves you. And He wants to help you. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to have comfort. One of His ministries is comforting you. Now, so let's go back to Philippians 4. So let's talk about this, rejoicing in the Lord always. But wait a minute, let's go back to 1 John chapter 1 before we do this. Because there's something extremely important here. 1 John chapter 1.
1 John chapter 1. All of our counselees, we have them to read through the book of 1 John every day for 30 days. And we have them ask four questions every day of God. Now, you know, God has given us, God the Holy Spirit is here, you know, and we have this old nature. Boy, wouldn't it have been great when you got saved that God had taken away your old nature? Yeah, but He didn't. But He gave you, the Holy Spirit came to help you, and God also gave you tools. Now, when Kim and I got married, she did a horrible thing. She bought me a toolbox. Now, me and a hammer, not even close to being friends. I mean, and you know, but I tell our counselees this, what is your name? Micah, I tell our counselees this. If you don't take your tools out of the toolbox and use them, nothing works. Nothing gets fixed. So you need to understand that God has given you tools. And you've got to use them. One of the tools that God has given you is the ability to ask Him questions. What do you want me to do today? Now, think about this. I've, I've heard people pray, God, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do this. And who in the world do you think you are telling God what He's going to do? The God of the universe. You ask Him what He wants you to do. Let me get it down to where the rubber meets the road. Who do you want me to witness to today? What do you want me to pray about today? Instead of just turning a yard list into God. Get it? Who do you want me to encourage today? By the way, the Bible doesn't say go buy a Kia automobile. Since we're here in the U.S., you don't go, it doesn't say go buy a Ford. But I can ask God if this is what He wants for me. Amen? And He'll show me if I am a... And one really important thing here. I look at verse 4, and it says... And these things write we unto you that your joy may be what? Full. So again, God wants you to have what? Joy. But here is the, the issue that causes you not to have joy. Look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We're lying to God, we're lying to ourselves, and we're lying to others. Now, in the average independent Baptist church, and I don't know anybody here, and I've just met your pastor, except I know the people that have been in our church and came over here, you know, and they've now moved to Ohio, and they are now over here. 
and they came tonight. I know them, but nobody else. Just met the pastor. So this verse is saying this, is contextually to Christians. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. So now it's possible for a saved person to walk in darkness. So I can walk in here tonight and I could walk up to you and say, Hi, Linda. Are you in fellowship with God? And Linda's thought would be she's in fellowship with God because she's in church tonight. But she may not necessarily be in fellowship with God. Or I went out on the soul winning program. But that doesn't mean that you're in fellowship with God. See, a lot of the, the, the doer mentality, uh, performance-based Christianity says you are spiritual by what you do. Uh, no, I got news for you. You're not spiritual about what, because of what you do. You're spiritual because of what you be. And if you be a person that's in fellowship with God and a Holy Spirit-controlled person, a Spirit-controlled person, then you'll do the right things. But you don't get the cart before the horse and think that you are an, a in fellowship with God Christian just because you walked into this church tonight. Y'all with me? So if we say that we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we're a liar. Now, by the way, you're lying to yourself, you're lying to God, you're lying to others, and I believe that God takes that pretty seriously. Right. And then folks are saying, I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. I don't know what to do, Dr. Coomer. I don't know why I feel the way I feel. I'll tell you why you're the way you feel. Because if I'm not in fellowship with God, I got a serious issue. And so we tell our counselees, remember they're going to ask four questions? Question number one. I'd encourage you to write them down and make them part of your life. Because you better make sure you're in fellowship with God. First of all, you better know you're saved. But secondly, you, if you're saved, you better know that you're in fellowship with God today. Because anybody that's out of fellowship with God is capable of doing anything. They're capable of doing all those sins in Galatians 5. Adultery, fornication, witchcraft. You get it all the way down that line. Fully capable. They could be in here on Sunday saying, yippee-yappy and yahoo Yeehaw! Praise God! And on Monday, they're out here involved in pornography. And I'm not being cynical. I'm telling you the truth. 
Okay, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We're not practicing the truth. Not practicing the truth in our life. Now, question one. God, is there any sin that stands between you you and me today? I want you to show it to me. Now, Jeremiah 17, 9 says that your heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, God, search the heart. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 says, it is the Holy Spirit that searches your heart. So He's the big player in this room right now. So I'm going to ask God to search my heart and show me if there's any sin that stands between Him and me. And when He says, yes, what's your name? Angie, you know, you say, God, show me what sin is, what, is there any sin that stands between you and me? And he said, Angie, you lied about that yesterday. You know? Put you out of fellowship with God. Been out of fellowship with God now for a day. Or you misrepresented this. Or you said something to somebody that wasn't exactly the right thing. Or is this your daughter? You yelled at her, huh? One of them, you yelled at her? (laughs) Okay. And she's saying, man, go get her, Pastor. (laughs) Okay. So now, you're out of fellowship with God. So you ask God the question. Now, and I'm going to take it further here in a little bit, okay? Is there any sin that stands between you and me? Show it to me today. And he does. And he'll just keep on bringing it up. And you deal with it and you ask for forgiveness because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins Amen. and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad for that? Because of this old nature? Yeah. Secondly, God, is there any hurt in my life that I'm allowing to control me now? Is there any hurt in my life that I'm allowing to control me? You know, whether that's a person or whether that's a circumstance. Now, sometimes people can hurt you. You know, you know ladies, think about it like this. You walk into church on Sunday morning. What is your name, ma'am? Lana. Lana? And you walk into church on Sunday morning and some lady walks up to you. I know there's nobody here who would do this. And they say, Lana, what's the matter with you? Look at you. When are you going to start taking care of yourself? And Lana's like... (laughs) And, And you go home with your husband from church, okay? And you're telling them all the way home, did you know what she said? I'll tell you what. I get back to church tonight, I'm giving her a piece of my mind. Now, Lana, don't give away too many pieces of your mind because that you might have a lot left, okay? So, 
And she lets that build up. And it's controlling her. And, you know, she's thinking about coming to church and seeing that woman. And whenever her name's mentioned, (sighs) (sighs) oh, Well, then Lana's out of fellowship with God. Got it? Because she's letting that hurt control her. Now, I'll tell you how to fix that in a minute, okay? Just hang on. I'll tell you. Third thing. God, is there any bitterness in my heart right now? You know, bitterness is a root sin. Defiles many. So if you've got bitterness in your heart, you're going to defile everybody around you, your husband, your wife, your children, everybody you come across. Think of, think of it like COVID. So you're going to defile many. But it's interesting because bitterness is a root sin. And once it gets in your heart, and takes hold, it's going to be a real problem. And it's got long tentacles. So I'm going to ask God to forgive me for this bitterness that He showed me. But because it's a root sin, I've got to ask God to take it out of my heart. You got it? God, I want You to forgive me for that, that this bitterness and I ask you to take it out of my heart. So now I'm in fellowship with God. Because I've covered the bases. I'm no longer in 1 John 1.6 saying that I'm in fellowship with God and I'm not. Got it? Amen? Alright, now watch. So now is the time I go to start my Bibles, my daily time with God, and I'm not going to do my daily time with God until I've asked those questions. Because I'm not going to get anything out of my Bible if I'm out of fellowship with God. And so now, here's what I'm going to do, Angie. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to teach me today and show me His message for me. Y'all with me? That's question four. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to teach me today. Show me His message for me today. And think about it like this. Now you're in fellowship with God. And by the way, questions, asking God questions, is submission. Okay? Question asking with God is submission. And so I ask Him those questions. And you know what? I ask him now to teach me. And so you're, you know, you're going down, you're, you're reading the Bible here, and you've asked God for his message, and it, it just jumps right off the page at you. Amen. Think about it. The God of the universe took his time today to teach me. Well, that ought to float your boat. Might even make you Baptocostal. But the folks here, we're talking about having a real, intimate, personal, passionate relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I want to be a spirit-controlled person, not a flesh-controlled person. Now, let's go back to Philippians 4. Remember that question I asked? Remember the question I asked when we read verse 4 when it said rejoice in the Lord always? And again I say rejoice. Now I'm telling you that you cannot rejoice in the Lord always unless you're in fellowship with God. It doesn't work. So now I need to be in fellowship with God. And I come to Philippians 4, and now I've got... You know, everything starts right up here. The mind. See if I I can put this to you like this. Man is a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. Okay? Your soul is the seat of your emotions or your appetite. Now, have you ever seen a ship with those portal windows on it? You know, a big ship with the portal windows? Anybody ever see that picture of one of those before? Or actually see one? Now, when those portal windows are open, water gets in. Now, water getting into a ship, that's bad news, right? But when the portal windows are closed, the water can't get in. So when you are out of fellowship with God, your portal windows are open. And Satan has direct access to your soul. Now Satan is not omniscient, meaning all-knowing, and he's not omnipresent like God is, present everywhere at all times, but he's a good judge of character. And he and his minions are looking at you and others to see who is and who's not in fellowship with God. And he knows exactly which button to push. Now, just for the sake of this, we'll come right back here, okay? Now, I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Now, I think it's a really interesting passage here. Peter is talking to Christians. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Now, watch carefully, ladies and gentlemen. Be sober. That means to be serious. Be vigilant. Think about what that means. It means, okay, this is something that I really need to stick on and stay on and do. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Just get it? Now, based on what we've talked about tonight, 
What kind of Christian is Satan devouring? Thank you, Micah. Those that are out of fellowship with God. So that's the reason why here it says be serious, be vigilant. Don't ever allow a moment in your day where you're out of fellowship with God. Ever. Because the Bible says he's walking about, he and his minions, as a roaring lion. Now, a roaring lion is quick. Now, if Pastor Rice got up here tonight and he said, all right, folks, there's a roaring lion out by the front door. Now, we want you all to stay in here until we get rid of the lion. Now, you know, there'd be some people in this room that could still think they could beat the lion to the car. Okay, in essence, there are people that really believe that they don't have to be in fellowship with God and they can just live their life in the power of the flesh and everything will be okay. Well, that's about as dumb as running out there with a roaring lion. Y'all with me? Tim doesn't like it, Pastor, and he used the word stupid. So it's a dumb thing. Okay? She always tells me, don't use stupid. <laughs> but if I'm going to live my life this way without any care or concern about my fellowship with God, that's dumb. You're, you're just walking into it. And then saying, well, I don't know why these things happen to me. I don't know why I'm so depressed. I don't have any hope. I'm not a happy camper. You know, Pastor Rice, he preaches at us all the time. He's mean. He's got these rules. Well, people that are out of fellowship with God feel they don't have to handle any rules. They don't have to handle exactly what God says right here. And they're dumb enough to believe they'll be okay. And I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. Now I want you to notice. Notice what it says. Whom resists steadfast in the what? Faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, look at verse 4. Or verse 6, I'm sorry. See that word humble? It means to submit. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Now watch this. Casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you. Now that's going to become very important in the next thing I want to show you. Okay, so now we really know how important it is for us to be in fellowship with God and not be a devoured Christian. And I've got to keep the portal windows closed by being in fellowship with God. Now turn back to Philippians 4. Alright, here we go. Philippians 4. Now we believe in skillfully using the Bible. Philippians 4, 
And the Bible is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now watch. Rejoice in the Lord, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Now, so if I'm in fellowship with God, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to teach me, and I'm asking Him to fill me with His Spirit. I'm asking God to fill me with His Spirit so He'll control me. Then I can rejoice in the Lord. Now, so, but every day, listen to me carefully, every day, multiple times a day, you're going to have spiritual impact moments. What's your daughter saying? Ava was told to clean up her room, and she didn't do it. Hmm. Yeah, she's on the other foot now, right? Okay, so Angie, you have a choice here. You can walk in there and say, listen, you little brat. I told you to clean up your room. Now I'm going to tan your behind. Uh-huh. And then an argument starts. And everybody's got a major malfunction here. That goes on up the ladder, too, by the way. And that's a moment when your daughter is making a choice about what she's going to do with her life by what you're saying to her. You with me? Remember what Lisa was talking about? So, at the point of impact, Angie, the Bible tells us exactly what to do. It's a wonderful passage here. Notice what it says. It says in verse five, or verse six, or verse five, I'm sorry. See that word let at the start of the verse? Everybody see it? Whenever you see the word let at the start of a verse in the Bible, it means that somebody's got to make a decision. Just like Angie's going to have to make one here. And you know what this verse says here? It says, let your moderation be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand. So Ava needs to see that the Lord's at hand in your life. How you handle this. Got it? Now, the word moderation here means self-control or spirit-controlled. So let your moderation be known unto all men. You're being a spirit-controlled person. Be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand in your life. Amen? They can see it. Okay? Not that you're reacting all over the countryside every time something comes up. You know, we got a little booklet back there that says, help, I'm stressed out and I don't know what to do. And the other one is, why do I react all the time? Now, so at the point of impact, Angie, and thank you for helping me, at the point of impact, here's what you got to do. Before you go opening your mouth, going off the deep end, I have to stop. I have to think. And I have to turn this over to God. Now, I've got to stop, 
think, Lord, I'm, I'm going to submit myself to you. What do you want me to praise you for? What do you want me to thank you for? The two big tools of God here in this chapter are praise and thanksgiving. For lack of better words, Pastor Rice, there's buku scripture on this. Praise and thanksgiving are God's first two big tools for you to learn. So at that moment, when you're thinking about whomping her, okay, Lord, I want to turn this over to you. I want to submit myself to you right now. And the moment you say that you're submitting, the Holy Spirit will take over. You'll have his power. Because greater is he that's in you, the Holy Spirit, than, than he that's in the world, Satan. Got it? Everybody got it? So I'm going to submit myself immediately to God, the Holy Spirit. What do you, I'm going to turn this over to you. What do you want me to praise you for and what do you want me to thank you for? And it's like rebooting your mind. Okay? And immediately then God's going to put something in your mind that you can thank Him and praise Him for. Now, we had to bring our little dog here. He's over in the pastor's office. He's learning stuff over there. He's a beagle. He's going to be two this month. And he's, he's a lovable dog. But we board him sometimes when we travel, and so we boarded him, and he came home with kennel cough. So we had to take him with us this time. And he travels good. But, you know, but I want you to hear me. Sometimes when I say, Lord, I want to turn this over to you, what do you want me to praise you and thank you for? Rocky comes up. That's my dog's name. Well, I'll say, Lord, thank you for Rocky. He gives me joy doesn't have to be anything deep theological. But I want to use the tools of praise and thanksgiving at every impact moment. And I want to submit myself to God immediately so that I will be a spirit-controlled person rather than a person out of fellowship with God. You all with me? Got it? Yes or no? Got it? Okay, I want to submit... So, just keep your finger here, turn back to James chapter 4, and we tell our counselees they've got to learn the fours in James 4. Watch what this says. Okay? James chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse 7. What is the first word in verse 7? Submit. What's the second word? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. When? At the point of impact. And when you submit yourself to God at the point of impact, you're resisting the devil, and he will what? Flee from who? Yeah, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you don't have to go around being miserable all the time and downtrodden and upset and growling and snorting and stomping and chewing the carpet. Bill, you wouldn't chew carpet, would you? <laughs> Depending on the day, he said. Well, that's what we want to get off the day. We want to make every day a day where I can rejoice in the Lord always. Every day. Every moment of the day. And you say, 
Really, you mean i got to do that? i got to submit to God? Why not? Jesus Christ loved you so much, He came. God the Son loved you so much, He came and gave His body for you that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so He's giving you the tools to use to have life more abundantly instead of being a negative, critical, gossiping, backbiting Christian. You know, Galatians chapter 5 says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know what it says before that in verse 15? If you bite and devour one another, take heed to be not not consumed one of another. So if I'm a person who's out of fellowship with God, I'm always biting and devouring on other people. You got it? Now let's go one final step. We'll be done. Okay, I know we've been going a while, but I want you to listen. Now, once I submit myself to God, I want to turn this over to you. What do you want me to praise you for and thank you for? I get Philippians 4, 8 moments. Now, I can guarantee you that there are Christians in this room that have read down Philippians 4 many, many times, and you've never even seen this. You've not even considered how it works. And you're struggling in your life because you're defeated. You're, de- you're depressed. You're unhappy. You're emotional. You're always handling yourself in an ugly way. You always got something negative to say to somebody. Well, think about it. If that's the way I act, and that's who I am, then I'm out of fellowship with God, and I'm not a spirit-controlled person, and I'm not taking control of my dark side in the moment. Our old nature, our dark side, we have to take control of it by submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit and using the tools that God has given us. Amen? So that we take control of the dark side. He doesn't control us. And we have the power to do this. Because of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So now, look at verse 8 with me. So that, uh, that, see that moment when I turn it over to God and I submit myself to Him, and I ask him what to praise and thank him for. Look at all these things in Philippians 4. Now, as of this morning, because every time I do my devotions when I'm done, I, write, I ask God to show me something I could praise and thank him for. So as of this morning, in my six, I, I, I use a college rule notebook for my devotions, and it lasts about six months. So I have 6,293 things written down that I can praise and thank God for. Amen. Had one lady in one of our churches that wrote down more than 100,000 things that she could praise and thank God for. Amen. Instead of being ugly and critical and mean and backbiting and fault-finding. So that I can praise and thank God. And you've got a lot you can praise and thank God for. You got this little girl you can praise and thank God for. 
even though she may sometimes try you. And that's the moment you're going to turn her over to God. Okay? And we, we teach this, a lot of more things about this to our counselees in the 13 weeks. But they've got to learn to be spirit-controlled people. They've got to learn to be submitted to God the Holy Spirit so that they can have a life of hope, joy, and peace and be able to learn. Amen? Now, when your Bible starts jumping at you and you start seeing the Holy Spirit teach you and you're sitting there and you see that. And Pastor, I don't know how many times I've seen that. I'm saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing me that today. Thank you for loving me, caring for me, showing me, teaching me, and helping me. Thank you. In 19, I'm going to tell you this, in 1973, I was a high school All-American in baseball in the state of Indiana. I could throw a baseball 95 miles an hour. So I was the 78th player taken in the Major League Baseball free agent draft in 1973 by the San Francisco Giants. And you know what? United Parcel Service driver in the off-season came in where I was at and witnessed to me. He witnessed, witnessed to me for seven months. Every day. Took his lunch hour. Can you imagine a UPS driver taking his lunch hour every day to talk to somebody? Come and talk to me every day. Talk to me about God. Gave me a book on Bible prophecy. Asked me to read it. I said I would. And when I read it, I thought, does the Bible actually say this stuff, Rick? He says, oh yeah, it does. So I came home, talking to Kim, woke up in the middle of the night. Said, asked Kim, I said, what would happen to me if I died tonight? Now, you know, here we were, married, at 18. We met in high school. And we, you know, 19 years old, we had a house on the lake, a motorcycle, a sports car, and a boat, and all the things that baseball can buy. Here I was, living the life. You know, people talk about that. You know, lovely wife, married a beautiful girl. We were in the church uh, this weekend, and the pastor's son, when I said that, he turned around and looked back at Kim, then looked back at me. <laughs> and Kim says, you know, he married that old woman back there, you know. But you know what? Everything that a person would want in their life, we have. And I got saved. Immediately changed me. I went home and told Kim. I thought she was going to be really excited about that. And she wasn't the least bit happy about it. Told me to get down to those religious fanatics, I'll tell you. Three weeks. I, I, there's more to the story, but I'm not going to go there because of time. But my wife ended up getting saved three weeks later because she went to the pastor and said, 
my husband says that he got saved in a little old storefront building that she bought pop and popsicles in when she was a child and we went there to go to church because they were starting a church in there. She told me it wasn't a church. I said, Kim, the man says he's having church in there, so I'm going in. And then she walks up to him in that little storefront building where she went as a child. And she walked up to him and said, my husband says that he got saved. And he has really changed. And she said, could you tell me how to get saved? And she got saved and it changed our lives so that we can help other people. Now, see that thing about, and you know, now I want you to look at the last thing here. Remember, back to praise and, and uh, uh, in uh, th- or Thanksgiving in verse 6, look at praise in verse 8, all the way down at the bottom, and if there be any, what? Praise, think on these things. And there's nothing negative here in verse 8. So the moment you submit yourself to God the Holy Spirit at the point of impact, and I want to turn this issue over to you no matter what it is, and remember 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. So God the Holy Spirit is here. He wants to help, and he wants you. All you have to do is submit and turn it over to him. And then you can have a Philippians 4, 8 moment You know, think on these things. You're rebooting your mind at that moment. And you're allowing the Holy Spirit to show you, teach you, take care of the issue for you. Now I want you to turn one last place. I'm done, believe it or not. Hebrews chapter 13, because I can't go away without doing this. Okay? Look at verse 15. Now, if I you, I'd underline this in my Bible and cross-reference it back to Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Notice what it says and how important this is. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of what, folks? To God, when? When? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving what? Thanks to his name. So when is that supposed to be done, folks? Continually. At the point of impact. So at the point of impact, I want to turn this over to you, God. I submit myself to you. What do you want me to praise you for and thank you for? You do it continually. Now, you know, as our counselees get started, they'll come in and say, man, Pastor Cooper, oh, mercy, what a week. I've been asking God to show me sin, and I, man, alive, he's laying it on me. You know, and all kinds of just stuff i got to clean up here. Well, that's, you, but you haven't been dealing with any sin for quite a while here. Forever, for that matter. So God's showing, and so the first week, you know, then the second week it gets easier. 
and the third week it gets easier, and the fourth week it gets easier until finally you really learn that, hey, this really works. I don't have to be fighting this battle in the power of the flesh. I fight it in the power of the Spirit. Amen? I fight it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The one who's here now. The one who wants to help you. The one who wants to give you peace and hope and joy. All you got to do is submit to Him. Now there is a lot more that we'll talk about on Tuesday morning. And you know, I'm going to be preaching to preachers, so pray for me. No, you know, I mean, quite frankly, I understand there's guys in the ministry that don't understand what we just talked about. And it's doer mentality, performance-based Christianity. It doesn't work. But when you submit yourself to... You, now listen, you can see God do great and mighty things in your life. Let Him do it. Let God do great and mighty things in your life. You know, the Bible says that we have mighty weapons as a Christian. But we can't use those weapons without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You got it? Without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life submitting to Him, you will fail. And you'll wonder why Things are always not working right. One last thing, you know, playing baseball? I wanted to be the best baseball player I could be as a high school All-American. Seven no-hitters and one perfect game in high school. In the championship game in the state of Indiana, I struck out 19 out of 21 hitters and didn't walk anybody. Kim was back there, you know, and this is when they had radar guns. Just started. First pitch of the game, the scout shows the gun, comes up 97 miles an hour. Kim jumped up and said, 97 miles an hour! And everybody in the stands go, ooh! Now that kid who was at home plate batting, he's scared to death. He's calling for his mom. I want, I want you just to, I want you to understand tonight. God loves you. You have mighty weapons. But you've got to use them through the power of the Spirit. And you'll see God do great and mighty things in your life if you'll just let Him. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.